The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Man cannot survive except through his mind. He comes on earth unarmed. His brain is his only weapon. But the mind is an attribute of the individual. There is no such thing as a collective brain. The man who thinks must think and act on his own. Have you ever thought you've wanted to be more creative? With me today is Dr. Eric Daniels, who has his Ph.D. in American History from the University of Wisconsin. He's taught at the University of Wisconsin, and he is currently a professor at Duke University in the program on Values and Ethics in the Marketplace. And he's also written two courses that you can get by going to my website, The Inventive Age in American History, which is fabulous, and also The History of American Moral Thought. Both excellent courses. Dr. Daniels, welcome to the show. Oh, great. It's good to be here. Now you've, you, I was just re- talking about that course that you gave on 19th century, and you call it the inventive age in American history. Why the inventive age? What were Americans in love with during this period? Well, Americans in the 19th century were uh, a nation of creative thinkers. Really, uh, more than any other time in, in our history, and more than any other time in, in the history of the world, Americans in the 19th century applied themselves to the problem of making life better, making themselves happy. And the way that they did this was by coming up with new inventions, coming up with new ways to uh, make their lives longer and easier and happier by uh, inventing things like the telegraph, the telephone, uh, elevators, railroad engines. Uh, electric lighting systems, electrical generation systems, you know, the whole basis of our power today. All of these inventions were, were uh, produced in the 19th century when people really applied themselves to the question, how do we make ourselves happier? And we do it by coming up with better ways to live in this world. And what, what wonderful advice just for any of us, just sure. to say, how can we make ourselves happier in our personal life, at work, just to even prime the pump of that question in hobbies, with friends. Now, we don't see that type of thinking. How can we make ourselves happier? And if you were living among the Taliban or under Arafat, or during the Dark Ages. Help me understand why you don't see people pursuing their own happiness or ways to make life better, you know, why we don't have uh, inventors in mystical cultures. Well, that's an interesting question, because uh, even in America, even in the history of the Western world, the 19th century in America stands out as a, a record of inventiveness that's not been matched in any other culture or in any other nation at any other time in the, in the history of the world. And I think that the reason for this, the the primary reason for this, is because America has embraced a rational culture. The Enlightenment ideas that Americans adopted in the 19th century, the belief in the power of their own minds, in reason, and the ability of average individuals to look out to the world, to gather knowledge, to gain knowledge about the way the world works, and to apply it to some particular problem that they want to solve. As opposed to what under the Taliban or in the Dark Ages? This is as opposed to most of the rest of human history, when people believed that the world just worked the way it did, because some supernatural being created it that way, because God dictated that the world would work this way. And if you try to meddle in God's affairs, he'll strike you down. Right, right, and there are two two implications. If If you try to change it, God might strike you down. If you try to become too arrogant, God might strike you down. Or, if you need something, instead of solving the problem for yourself, 
people in mystical cultures will turn to that supernatural being through prayer or through incantations, and they'll try and get them to do something to the world to make it better. But Americans applied that problem to themselves. They said, how can we make it better? For this we, life right now, the yeah, only life. For this life. life, for right now, for my, you know, my life, my children's life, how do we make it better? Ourselves. Now, you um, have a wonderful story about... Ben Franklin's uh, response to lightning hitting church towers sure. and the church's response. Yeah. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad and then Alan will be back. Romance. Oh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. <laughs> Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Ah, uh, here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance. A Serious Romance Guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, The Selfish Path to Romance. That is interesting. Now you have a wonderful story about Ben Franklin's uh, response to lightning-hitting church towers sure. and the church's response. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's an amazing story. Ben Franklin is a, is a great example of American inventiveness, really one of the first examples in the 18th century. Uh, even though we know him as a diplomat and a politician, Ben Franklin was an enormously uh, important inventor in the field of electricity. And in some of his experiments, Franklin had demonstrated that lightning was electricity. A lot of people at the time didn't realize it. And in doing some experiments, he wanted to find ways to protect human beings from lightning. And he did this by inventing the lightning rod, a way of drawing off the power of lightning and directing it into the ground to make it safe. And he did this because lightning was burning down buildings, whole sections of cities. It was killing people regularly during storms. And one of the things that Franklin did in inventing this lightning rod was that he spread, it, spread the knowledge about this throughout the world at the time. And in Europe, his ideas weren't immediately accepted. The curious fact about Europeans, because of their mystical culture, was that they didn't have the confidence that Franklin was right. And so in Europe... If you looked at the typical city in 18th century Europe, the largest building in the city would be a church with its large steeple. And during... And what do they put in that steeple? At the top of the steeple, they would put a large metal bell. And during thunderstorms, during lightning storms, which they thought was a sign from God about his displeasure at what the community was doing, they would send a bell ringer to the top of that steeple to ring the bell to try and ward off the evil spirits. And unfortunately, this individual was likely to be struck by lightning and often was killed. And if, if, this is hard to believe, but it's true. This practice in parts of Eastern Europe continued to the 20th century. That's because incredible. Of that mystic, because yeah. of that mystical culture. Yeah, as opposed to here, where we would want to protect the, the bell oh, ringer. Sure. I mean, if you, if, you, if you go around today, you can see there's the buildings, have public buildings, people's houses, in areas where there's a large amount of lightning, people install lightning rods because we have a belief that, and we have a confidence as a culture that applying ideas is the way to solve human problems. Instead of just letting your house be burned down by lightning, we install a lightning rod and it solves the problem because someone took the time to invent a way of making our lives happier so, by, by preventing disasters. So instead of it being uh, mystical, it's secular. But you say secular without skepticism. What do you mean by that in well, the that, last that's a, minute? That's a, that's a phrase I borrowed from Dr. Leonard Peikoff to describe American culture, secularism without skepticism. And basically what this means is American culture 
in its best form in the 19th century was secular, was non-religious. It was a belief in this world and man's ability to live in this world. And achieve his happiness. Yeah, and to achieve happiness, not in the afterlife, but on earth. And not by, not by t- knocking down other people. Right, right, exactly. And so, and the skepticism, without skepticism, that's important as well, because even though it's a non-religious viewpoint, it's not a cynical or, uh, or a, uh, a destructive viewpoint. It's not simply trying to tear down other people's ideas or other people themselves. It's a secular belief. It's a belief in the, the rights and the abilities of human beings to achieve happiness in this world through application of their mind to this world. So to enjoy using your mind, to use it rationally, to achieve your own happiness, what would you say is the connection of inventiveness to happiness in our last 30 seconds? Well, the connection, this is easy, and the connection between inventiveness and happiness has really, the, the, the bridge between those is our standard of living. We have an enormous standard of living today compared to the 19th century, even compared to the late, the late 19th century. We have more prosperous, longer, healthier lives. And the reason that we do is because people have invented ways to make them better, to make them healthier, longer, and, and fuller. And the connection is inventions, applying your mind to reality, helps us to live better lives. And for our children and, and yeah. for our for our happiness throughout our relationships, mm-hmm. everything. I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Daniels. It's been a pleasure. I hope you'll be back again oh, soon. Oh, I appreciate it. It's good to be here. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. Here is an example of two people with a similar sense of life discovering each other. Brian met Suzanne at a friend's outing. He was immediately attracted to her, and not just because he found her physically appealing. She did not try to be the center of attention. She dressed tastefully. She seemed interested in conversations about ideas rather than idle gossip. It didn't bother her when people disagreed with her views. When Brian talked with her, she looked at him directly. He saw no hint of fear, only curiosity about what he had to say. Brian, an independent thinker with genuine self-esteem, felt an emotional bond with Suzanne. He felt he might have met his soulmate. However, Brian properly remained cautious. He knew he needed to get to know her better. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.